Welcome to the audio podcast of the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online and in our recently renovated sanctuary. During the summer months from July 4th weekend through Labor Day weekend, our worship will be live Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Church, good morning. morning. To you in the pews and to our visitors and also to you online. On this late summer Sunday morning, when summer is both still here and also already gone, how are you doing this morning? Not okay or fine or great. How are you really doing? And if you haven't had a chance to ask yourself that yet, maybe take this moment How are you doing? What do you bring with you into this space? There's no wrong answer. Each and every one of us has arrived here in the presence of God and one another this morning, carrying what we carry, nothing more, nothing less. Now is the time when we have permission to set it aside for a moment and to be here truly in the presence of God and the Spirit to hear the word for us today. But the reality is we're not here to set aside our burdens as an invitation. We're not given permission. The fact is that we have been given a directive from God to set it all down, whatever it is. Set it down. Set it down and pay attention. Because not a thing that we brought with us this morning is going to get us where we want to go. This is no surprise. We've heard it before, and yet it strikes us new each time. A rich and faithful man approaches Jesus and asks a question. You know the one I'm talking about, the question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It is one of the hallmarks of our Protestant Reformed Presbyterian tradition that allows us to say with confidence, there is absolutely nothing we can do to inherit eternal life. This is our good news. 
We proclaim that eternal life is a gift from God that cannot be earned but is given freely. We cannot merit salvation for no one is good but God alone. And God who is good has more in store for us than we can imagine and certainly more than we can make for our own selves. Jesus even says it for us, the end of today's passage, for mortals it is impossible, but for God, for God all things are possible. But that's not the first thing that he says. The first thing Jesus says is set it down, set it down, all of it. And if what you have is worth anything, give it away. It is a bitter pill to swallow for this pious, heartfelt man because it does in fact seem impossible to him to set it all down and to give away anything of value. I imagine him taking stock at that moment on his knees of what was being asked of him to give up. Maybe he thought about his grandmother's house, which he inherited when his own mother passed away. Or maybe his first thought was of his senior management position at the firm that took so many years to achieve. Or maybe he thought about the money he had set aside specifically for his spouse and children if he should happen to die before them. Maybe he thought of what it would mean to give up the life of religious orthodoxy that he cultivated out of a desire to be right with God. It's harder for one with wealth to enter the kingdom of God than a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And if that is true, it seems that we ought to take a closer look at the camel. It's not the camel's long legs or bulky humps that make it difficult but not impossible for the camel to get through the eye of that needle. You see, camels were pack animals, right? So they were carrying these saddlebags that were draped across their back. And that is what would prevent them from getting through the eye of the needle, these saddlebags filled with things. So you see, all the camel had to do was drop the saddlebags and squeeze through because the bags aren't the camels anyway. The bags are ours. And for us to drop our saddlebags, that's another story. Our saddlebags are weighed down with books and mementos, clothing, tchotchkes, even some extra cash. Now, those bags are not so hard to sit down and to toss aside or donate them to a worthy organization. 
You remember when Marie Kondo taught us to do that, to declutter and give things away with joy. But that, of course, was before Marie Kondo stopped decluttering and created a lifestyle brand that actually sells stuff. (laughs) But there are heavier bags, right? Filled with items that are going to be harder to set down like our master's degrees, our promotions at works, our grade point averages, our rock-hard abs. Sources of pride and achievement take up a lot of space and can't readily be donated to the poor. That may be the heaviest bags of all are the ones filled with our commitments and our relationships with our hopes and dreams for the future of what our life will look like, the promises of retirement and grandchildren, of new relationships and exciting adventures, who could lay aside possessions such as these? I'm sure that many of you remember the movie Wild, starring the actress Reese Witherspoon. She portrays Cheryl Strayed, a young woman who chooses to hike the Pacific Crest Trail after the death of her mother and the end of her marriage. In a roadside motel on the night before her departure, Strayed adds the last few items to her pack, a pack that weighs about as much as she does and contains essentially her entire life. She can hardly stand up with this pack. She can barely move, but she gets out of the motel the following morning and she sets out on the trail. And within minutes, the path before her no longer looks like the way to transformation and new life, but a prolonged trial of torn skin and oozing blisters and aching muscles and her spirit flags, and she approaches her camp that first night with an encroaching despair. And then a man appears, a seasoned hiker, grizzled, and he surveys the contents of her pack, items that Strayed believes are just the barest of essentials, a water purifier, sure, a journal to write in, paper maps, underwear, food, a camera, a windbreaker, a headlamp, books to read, iodine tablets, a small pot, plate and utensils, extra fuel for the camping stove. And the seasoned hiker looks and he laughs. He laughs and laughs and laughs and starts to grab items from her pack and throw them in the box beside the trail and strayed while she yells at him, what are you doing? She tries to grab them back, dumbfounded by what this man is trying to liberate from her heavy pack. She protests and she makes her argument, I must keep this. How can I possibly survive without it? And I can't remember exactly what the hiker says, but I wonder if he said something like this. The real question is, how will you survive with it? I 
And so we ask of Jesus when he tells us to sell all that we have and to follow him, how can we possibly survive without these things? And Jesus responds, the real question is, how will you survive with them? Set it down, all of it. And if it has value, give it away. And then come follow me and inherit eternal life. But we are heart sick at the idea of setting it all down, despairing at the prospect of what or whom we are leaving behind. But if we hang our hat on the sturdy belief that the life of faith arcs toward the promise that at the end of our time on this shore, another life awaits us on another shore, then we must also believe in the eternal care and wisdom of God who knows both life mortal and eternal and will not lead us astray. I'm not giving up, uh, giving away the ending of the movie by telling you that with teeth gritted, Cheryl Strait allows the hiker to toss away almost everything she thought she would need to survive. And she did. Her pack was lighter, her burden less burdensome. She became freer, more nimble, adaptable to the changing conditions of the trail and able to count on herself, not the stuff she held on to so tightly, to find her way. About seven years ago, I watched via social media a dear acquaintance of mine prepare to die. She was 39 years old, and her abdomen was filled with cancerous tumors that the surgeons could not remove. She had been fighting gastric cancer for two years. In a previous operation, her stomach was removed. She went through chemo and radiation. There was a moment of hope when we all held our breath with cautious optimism, but it wasn't to be. Rachel was an oncologist, if you can believe it, ushered there by her desire to prevent the cancer that had killed her own mother when Rachel was only 12 years old. After graduating medical school at the top of her class, she received a prestigious fellowship and chose to live in rural China, treating drug-resistant disease in a brutally impoverished community. Well, Rachel eventually entered hospice, and she began dropping the symbolic saddlebags and camp gear that held her in place on this shore. 
She let go of her apartment and her belongings in San Francisco. She sat down and put aside her job, her hobbies, her passions. She traveled back to St. Louis to be with her dad and her sister. And she was, in some ways, lighter than she'd ever been. Her life became small and sharply focused. No more overbooked calendar, no more vacations to exotic places. What was left of her life was her immediate family and perhaps the most important item from her backpack, her gratitude. She prepared a YouTube video for those of us who loved her but who could no longer reach her. In the video, Rachel is sitting on a stool wearing a St. Louis Cardinals t-shirt and flowered pajama pants. And her hair was in the same ponytail that she'd worn all her life. An NG tube is taped to her nose. She can no longer speak. But with this radiant smile on her face, she holds up a series of posters which she reveals one by one. It is a thank you letter to her friends, a thank you letter to the world, a farewell postcard from the other side, even though she was still on this one for just a little while longer. Whether she knew this or not, and I suspect that she knew it, Rachel had taken a look at my pack and at the thousands of packs on the backs of the people that she had loved over those two few years and gently encouraged us to unburden ourselves. She was walking ahead of us now and she had seen the way and all its beauty and all its hardship and she knew how little was needed to make her way forward toward a place whose opening is as slim as the eye of a needle, just enough room for her to slip through. God has promised to be there for us on the other side of that narrow opening. We can count on it. And God also cares about us today and doesn't mean for us to grieve all of the plans we've made and all of the things and achievements that we have accumulated. But God does not want us to lose sight of who and whose we are and God does not want us to be burdened by the accoutrements of this life so that when that time comes, we can set it down and we can step through into that eternal promise. We are God's, we are beloved. And that is all we need. 
Listen again. And Jesus said to the man whom he loved, you lack only one thing, one little thing. Go sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But you will not do it alone, for as you remember from the story, God loved this man the way that God loves us. This is not a directive, like I said at the beginning. It is a gift. It is not a punishment. It is an invitation. It is an open door. Inviting us to feel our pack light upon our backs and the way of transformation and eternal hope and peace stretched out ahead of us, bright and fearless and extraordinary. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you are fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options, both in person and online, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time during the summer, from July 4th weekend through Labor Day weekend. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.